Hello, welcome to the Bright Club Southampton podcast, episode 9. Uh, thank you for coming back, if you've been here before, uh, if you haven't. Uh, I'm your host, Dave Christensen. Uh, it's nice to see you here. So, uh, if you're unfamiliar with uh, what we do with Bright Club, um, I'll just give a quick explanation. So, we run a comedy night roughly every three months uh, in Southampton. And uh, we get a bunch of researchers or academics or, or just people with interests in those kinds of subjects. Uh, we get them to perform some stand-up about their interests, about their work. And uh, that's a really fun night. Uh, but then for the podcast, we take the audio clips of those performances and then we edit them together with a nice little chat that we've had with those performers so that we can find out a little bit more about them and their work. Uh, so this week on the podcast, we have... Uh, it's uh, our most recent... Um, from our most recent show, uh, we have Phil Wiles. Uh, Phil was a biomedical science undergraduate student at the time of his performance um, but he has since finished and had his exams the week after Bright Club which was crazy I don't know why he put himself through that but um, thanks Phil uh, so I, I don't want to waffle anymore here at the start um, so let's just uh, get on with the show and hear what Phil has to say Starting their eyes, are we? Oh shit, wrong program. <laughs> Hello, I am uh, joined by Phil Wiles, who is, uh, well, sitting over there, but of course you can't see that. Hello, Phil. Uh, hello, yes, as you can tell, this is a this is a high definition broadcast, so you can really see the features of yes, my face, all little paws and such. We're going out in 4K. Yeah, so, uh, the pictures are definitely better on radio. Oh, indeed. Uh, for example, but. Oh, by the way, that's a lovely kimono you're wearing. Oh, thank you, thank you. I don't just have been the back knot until I got the back knot right, because I really I can't see it, you know. Well, it's a reef knot, so that's fine. Oh, good. Right, uh, we're supposed to be talking about Bright Club, so let, uh, let's get on with that. Um, yes, um, you said it was your first time doing stand-up during your uh, routine. Um, that was a bit of a white lie. I'd also, I'd, I'd, I'd done... I've done several like sort of talks about sort of science and history before, often with a, with increasingly comedic elements. But this was my first like true stand-up gig where people had actually be had actually paid money on the assumption that they would laugh. Oh, did they? Um, I have been informed that they did. Yeah, I watched the thing. <laughs> yes, they. I watched the video. Yes, they did. So. Oh, oh, good. Okay. Um. So, what made you want to do Bright Club in particular? Jump from being vaguely comedic to actually trying to be comedic? Um, I think I owed someone a favour. Um, <laughs> well, it was like, I, I, I've, I've actually, I, I do really love stand-up comedy. I love watching stand-up comedy. Uh, so, and I've done like things like karaoke before, so I was really looking forward to actually like trying stand-up to see what it was like. And I had a lot of fun, so that was awesome. Excellent, you should do more. Um, do you have any particular stand-up influences, if you like stand-up so much? Oh, um, that's a good question. Um, there are lots of stand-ups I really like, but oddly, I actually mimic 
teachers that I've had more than stand-ups I like because a lot of my lecturers uh, have a particularly twisted sense of humour and they use that during their talk and I think if I look at my mannerisms and such they're, they're far more like my lecturers than like my favourite stand-up comics mm, Twisted senses of humour are... Uh... Um, I, yeah, I, I, I twisted my sense of humour earlier so it's going to be in a cast for a week mm. <laughs> Hi, I'm Phil, I'm an undergraduate, and I'm slightly too short for this mic. Uh, yeah, I've got my exams coming up on Monday morning. Aww. Which is why I'm here, in a bar. <laughs> so yeah, yeah g give me a cheer if you're worried about your weight. Woo! You all have to think about that. You clearly all have a very good relationship with your bodies, don't you? You're all kind of like, oh, you're pretty happy, and I'm like, oh, wait, hang on, it's socially acceptable, I have to, I have to cheer now. <laughs> but yeah, lots of people are now worried about, um, about their weight, and with good reason. I mean, globally now, we are having more people die from too much food than too little. You don't hear many charity songs being recorded about that, which I think is a big <laughs> Okay, that's Shiro. You talk, you talk in your talk. Yes. And walk in your walk. Yeah. Uh, anyway, in your um, routine, you talk, your set, you talk about how you're a biomedical scientist. Now, yes. uh, for the uninitiated, i.e. me, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what exactly is a biomedical scientist and how is it different from a standard biologist? Okay, so... A bog standard biologist. Well, yes, yes. Um, the... Uh... The, the BOG are the standard organisa standards organisation for biology students. But yes, um, so with, bi with uh, uh, biomedical science is a subset of biology. So biology is the study of living things and of life. We're not the study of like life, the universe and everything. Mm -hmm. uh, we are not the study of how to live a good life, though that's philosophy. Uh, biology is the study of life, and within that you have particular like subdisciplines, like ecologists study how lots of living things interact with each other, and biochemists interact, uh, sort of study how like the chemistry of life takes place. Biomedical science is the science of how the human body works, and as such, uh, the course is full of failed medical students. Ooh. Uh, and it, it, I, I think it's very poorly named because people don't know what it means so they immediately latch on to one part of the phrase and they hear medical science and then go oh I've got this rash can you and like, it's the science behind medicine without any of the messy patient interaction stuff so I can tell you ex I could tell you the process by which rashes form but I cannot tell you whether or not that said embarrassing rash was due to uh, hives or um, one what one does on a Friday night Okay, I prefer you'd have told me that in private rather than the <laughs> recording. So, uh, Phil, as a medical scientist, uh, what's your favourite human organ? My favourite human organ is the thymus gland, because... Uh, uh, what's that when it's at home? The thymus gland is a small fatty lump just above the heart, often confused with the thyroid gland, which is sort of slightly further up in the neck. But the thymus gland, for most of, uh, like, scientific history was seen as a bit like the appendix. It wasn't seen as doing anything particularly important. If you cut it out of someone, nothing bad happens. So they just kind of, oh, it's just that, just this weird, like, vestigial lump thing. Um, but due to a set of particularly bizarre experiments uh, in the 1950s, they were able to find that it's actually vital for the immune system. And if you, if it goes wrong in early life, the 
per person grows up to have something a bit like HIV because like a huge part of their immune system just doesn't exist. Mm. So because of the story behind it, I really like the finest one. This is one of the good things about interviewing Phil is I can ask him really silly questions and fatuous and wasteful questions and I'll get really interesting answers. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I'd prepared more now. <laughs> um, so yes, um, I study obesity uh, because I find obesity really interesting, always have done. Uh, the idea that food could be hurting people, I find is really interesting. It was also because I had a choice as a kid. I could either be a uh, scientist or a magician. Uh, full disclosure, I'm dyslexic, and this debarred me from the magician school because if you're a magician, you really do not want to misspell. <laughs> uh, you talk a lot about your uh, particular element of uh, biomedical science that you enjoy studying is hormones. Yes. So, um, uh, how many hormones are there? That is a really good question, and often you, like, some people, like, there's some really weird hormones out there, like, there's loads of weird and wonderful ones, like, vitamin D is actually a hormone, despite being a vitamin, hmm. and so I think, and, like, hormones can be acting, like, hormones have loads of different ranges of actions, like, a hormone can act really close range, like, even, like, the cell that is uh, producing. Just to, just to be clear, what a, what does a hormone do? For... Oh, oh, yes, sorry, uh, backtrack a bit. Um, hormones are signalling molecules, so they are a little chemical message, uh, like, uh, like, a, almost like a, a flag that the body uses to, different parts of the body use to communicate, so that can be really local, so it can be one cell, uh, sending out a message to the cell next door, generally something like, can I have my lawnmower back, please? Mm -hmm. Or it can be something like one organ communicating to another. Uh, and there are there are thousands of hormones. We're discovering new ones every all the time. Ooh. Especially uh, ones which are made by human fat. Yes, yes you talked an awful lot about fat yes. in, your, yes. uh, in your set. Most... Mostly talking about the hormone leptin, I yes. believe, which sounds like some sort of sci-fi monster. Yes, it is. It does. And in fact, um, the way we discovered it was that we that, that like um, there was a particular mutation arose in some lab mice, and these lab mice just became. I'm tempted to say comically obese, like they were almost completely spherical. They got so overweight, uh, and can we can we find a picture of this and attach it to the podcast? I'll try. Okay. Yeah. These yeah. <laughs> yeah let's just, just sumo wrestler mice. Yeah, basically, and um, in fact, leptos means thin. Uh, and oh, because, how ironic! Well, yeah, yeah, because these obese mice couldn't make leptin, mm. so any the mice which could make leptin were much thinner, so they called it le leptin, uh, thin. Ah. And it, yeah, it's a vitally important hormone um, that that basically helps us keep a bit trimmer. Okay, so, um, hmm, that's certainly Are you worried about your weight? Oh, yes, I am. I am. Because you go into a lot of detail about uh, how we should be worried about our weight in your set. Well, yes, yes. And I think um, uh, there are, like, we have a, an increasing problem with people getting fatter, and um, I certainly worry about my weight a lot because... One of the unfortunate side effects of uh, studying uh, like biomedical science is that you become a hypochondriac. Because you're aware of how easily the human is to get broken. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Yes. 
uh, also being a student being surrounded by alcohol and large quantities of food mm. it's, it's, it is a worry large quantities of food are you really sure that they're like large quantities well yeah because the average uh, if you look at the um, sort of calorific requirements of uh, a, a male who like a man who is leaving his teenage years so someone who's in first second year at university they, they're using about 3,000 calories a day if you compare that to uh, a normal adult, because we, as we all know, students aren't normal, mm. a, a, a normal adult man uh, needs only 2,500. So there's quite a significant difference in the amount of food which... Uh, stu- which and that's what they need. Most mm. students will probably eat more than that. So it's quite, it is quite a lot of food mm. by comparison. So if you keep eating at the rate that you were when you were a student and you're when you were in, say, your mid-twenties, say the age 25, <laughs> uh, would you get, wind up getting chubbier? Yeah, yeah, but the process is quite slow, so most people don't notice until they have to put another hole in their belt or something like this. It's a process which takes several years, but... Don't um, bother. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's supposed to be interviewing, Phil. I'm just and I'm just getting health this advice. This is turning into therapy, so. isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's the same thing. I mean, psychologists record their therapy sessions for uh, their own uh, amusement. Sorry, <laughs> I was going to say for their records, but Jamal doesn't want us giving out trade secrets. <laughs> you know, I've noticed I'm a bit twitchy. I'm always walking around, like sort of talking to like random people, like. Uh, oh lovely host and, and one of the reasons I'm so twitchy is I am anxious, I am very anxious, I'm very anxious about getting weight and so I'm, I'm always moving around and the reason why I'm anxious about getting weight is because I am absolutely obsessed with food and that is why I am in a bakery on a Friday night. <laughs> But most students, like, don't eat anything during the week so that they, they, they can go out and have a few drinks on a Friday night. I don't drink anything just so that I can have something to eat on a Friday night. Yeah, you meant you did. You mentioned you were very interested in food hurting people, and that's yeah. not, not just like braining someone with a rock cake. But, no, otherwise, uh, like the the societal, the way society has a negative perception of overweight people. Oh yeah, or just yeah. people in general. Oh yeah. Mm. So, is are there other ways that food can hurt people? Uh, yes, if, if you're a fan of sushi, there is, of course, the famous death puffer fish, whereby uh, there are certain kinds of sushi which are prepared with highly poisonous fish. Uh, and if they put the wrong bit of the fish in the sushi, you will die slowly over the course of 24 hours as your nervous system shuts down. Oh. There's also the fact that um, if you eat food or drinks which are scalding hot, and you do that day in, day out, you can get... Uh, throat cancer. Uh, and you say this in a nation of tea drinkers. Oh, yes. Yes. Thank God I wait for my tea to cool down. Yes. So that there are many ways in which food does hurt people. Um, especially, like, the number of food poisoning cases we get every year and mm. things like that. It's, it's, it is very frequent because, of course, you need to... Most people eat at least three times a day mm. and they're eating at least two kilograms of food a day. That's a lot of... Ma- that's a lot of foreign material to go into something as delicate as the human body. I mean, normally mm. when we give people drugs, we never give them more than half a gram at a time, you know. Mm. 
Hmm, I'm not sure I'd describe it as foreign material, not in the current climate. Oh, well, as I said, I'm a student. Like, uh, the, 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 why do you think there's so many Indian takeaways in Southampton? Mm, fair point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I'm really twitchy and I'm always moving around and that, that burns calories right now. God, I hope this is enough. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, speaking of twitchy, we used to have a really, really good drug to cure obesity. Um, you don't hear about it much anymore because it was withdrawn. It's called Obertron. And um, Obertron, basically crystal meth. <laughs> I want it right now. <laughs> so, so yeah, it's a really good obesity drug because like, you're always moving around and you, you don't want to eat. Maybe because you want more Obertron. <laughs> Let's see, do you think that uh, there should be sort of a more positive image of obesity in society? Um, that's a very good question. I think we should stop viewing obese people negatively and any opinions we have about obesity should be purely health related because I think people, there's a sort of moral judgment of obese people which I really don't agree with because I think the default state of a human being is if you give them, put them in an environment with enough food in it they will become overweight, if not obese. As many years, like 12,000 years ago in the, like, the yeah. Iron Age, the an obese woman was seen like as a as a very desirable lady because she, yeah. if she was eating well enough to be that fat, then mm. she would be able to provide for the children. Yeah, exactly. Because the I, Venus figure, as it was yeah. known, as it is known in, uh, I, I can't say the word anthropology. Yeah, yeah, and it's definitely see, it's still seen as a sign of health in many places, especially where there are widespread outbreaks of disease. Mm. Uh, and it, I, I do think we need to stop being quite so judgmental about obese people because um, it is bloody difficult to lose weight once you've put it on, and it's oh so easy to put weight on because you only you can get significant weight gain by only eating the caloric equivalent of one banana a day above your caloric requirements. So I do think people need to be less judgmental about obesity. However, obesity is still very, very damaging in all kinds of very interesting areas. I mean, if you are obese, then you are more likely to get um, vitamin D deficiency, for instance. And there's lots of these aspects of obesity people just don't think about. So it is a very damaging... Because people just look at them and go, oh, a fat person. Yeah, exactly, which is which is a shame because... Um, Get off your backside or some, or words to that effect. Oh, oh, yeah, definitely. And it's... Um, so we need to be less judgmental about obese people. Partially because if you are being very judgmental and being negative, why on earth is that person going to engage with you? And why on earth... You, like, if a person doesn't have good self-esteem, why would they take the make the effort to lose weight so i think we do need to be much more positive about it certainly as you mentioned in your set with if with leptin basically sending the message because their own body is screaming your fat by sending the leptin messages yes yes and um there are a lot we've only recently discovered how how many signals fat sends to the rest of the body saying guys um I think I think we've had enough, uh, guys. Guys, anyone, anyone listening hmm. at all? <laughs> it's, very, it's kind of a metaphor for our society at the moment, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Hmm. It's like you can't have you. I think we've had enough, but no, we must have more, more, more. 
Yeah, and I think this is probably why people are so judgmental about obese people because they rec- they see it as like kind of like we have the seven de- deadly sins: uh, greed, of... gluttony, lust, flopsy, mopsy, cocktail, and Peter. Yes, exactly. So, um, like, we because we associate um, obesity with these sort of moral mm. things, we it's, it's no wonder we are judgmental about it. But we need to guard against that. Yeah, it's always things like come from morality that we're most judgmental against. I oh, mean, yeah. As if morality isn't some sort of sliding scale. Yes. And um, so, so yeah, I'm very interested in, in, in obesity because it's got all of these aspects to it. Mm. it it's, you could say it's a very uh, broad, well-rounded subject. Mm. And it has a lot. It raises a lot of weighty issues. Yes, let, let's stop with the puns for a moment. I'm, this is me saying stop with the puns. What? What has? Ha- this is why I shouldn't be given any power. I guess. So, yeah, I study hormones. That's my proper job. I study hormones, uh, specifically hormones made by fat tissue. And one of the most important ones is called leptin. Leptin signals from your fat tissue to your brain, and it has one message. It is your. Honestly, all the time you spend eating, you could be, I don't know, fighting off infection, building a nest, having sex. (laughs) Because that's that's the right order to do things in. Like, first you check, you're both free from disease. You, we've talked a lot about obesity as uh, uh, the main area of biomed biomed science that you're interested in. Are there any? Are there many other aspects that you'd quite like to follow up on? Oh yes, I am absolutely fascinated by parasites. Which um, going? I'll just stop you there because this because a this is supposed to be a family friendly podcast, <laughs> and b we're going to have dinner after this, and I don't want to be put off by descriptions of what parasites do to the body. Sport, sport. <laughs> but, okay, if you can think of any benign ones, go ahead. Oh, there are loads of benign parasites. Like uh, most people have benign parasites living in their facial hair, and. They were, they were so benign that for up until very recently we didn't even recognise them as parasites. We just thought well, they were one of the r- weird animals that live on the human body. But um, and there are people now who are who are hypothesising that the lack of parasites that we have in modern Western society is what's behind uh, the recent increases in allergies. I think that's a very interesting hypothesis. I don't know whether or not it's true, but it's certainly interesting. Mm. That like we could have these parasites which do us more good than harm. Symbi- a symbiotic relationship. Yeah, yeah, and definitely there's a sliding scale with parasitism at one end and symbiosis, as they call it, mm. at the other. Uh, I'm, and uh, there are many creatures which live with another species, like either in their bodies or in their nests. And if you remove one of them, the other one dies or can't reproduce. Uh, I saw one on the internet recently yeah. about a tarantula that kept a pet frog. Ah. Yes, I think the frog was going to was like eating uh, stuff like insects that would invade the tarantula's nest, for example. Ah. It's like what's the one of those ants that keep aphids and yeah protect them, and in return they milk the aphids for honeydew. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, cooperation is very very widespread in biology, 
uh, as is parasitism. I mean, like, there is there was an estimate that fifty percent of all living of all species, half of all species, are parasitic in some way. Hmm. And um, it's uh, that probably explains why there are so many politicians in the world. Ooh, I, I wasn't going to go there, but well, we've gone there now. Yes. So yeah, uh, so obviously all those things are, well, apparently quite energy intensive and you're not as interested in food, so lectin helps you stay thin. Uh, but unfortunately, um, fat people make more lectin and they make it for a long time. And obviously if anyone tells you, you're fat, <laughs> for long enough, you eventually stop responding. A bit like when you're a, you're a child, you're at school and you're being bullied, but you're a good boy. And so you don't respond to it and the bullies keep doing it because kids are assholes. <laughs> uh, so, fatter people don't respond to leptin as well, and that's one of the reasons why they have trouble losing weight and keeping it off. Uh, another problem that fatter people have is, unfortunately, they are subconsciously perceived as lazy, and so they have, often have more trouble finding work, which, which to me doesn't quite seem right. Okay, um, so Phil, you mentioned how uh... Uh, biomedical science is full of failed medics. Does as this, I put does, it. Yes, as you, as you put it. Uh, does this mean that you're a failed medic as well? Uh, amusingly enough, um, I, this actually, I, I only know this through personal experience in that the first meeting that I had with like my tutor group in first year, uh, we were all sitting down and like our academic tutor was saying, so uh, we, we're all new, you're, you're all freshers, why don't we all get up in sequence and uh, and sort of uh, say what your name is and sort of what why you're studying what you're studying like and um, so various people got up and said things like there was one guy who stood up and said oh hi I'm Dave and I'm an alcoholic no wait wrong meeting wrong meeting uh, and then they all went round it was all it was pretty much always like um, hi I'm X I wanted to be a doctor but I didn't get the grades uh, hi I'm Y I wanted to be a vet but I didn't get it. I I was lost so I had to stop and say well this is kind of embarrassing I, I actually wanted to do this. Now, I, now, bit bit of context. I did use. I I did want to. Did, I did used to want to be a doctor or a paramedic, and um, a parrot medic. Yeah, yeah. It's a very specific kind of veterinary surgeon. Mm. But, but uh, I realised that um, uh, I have a great deal of respect for doctors because they 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 have to. They basically they have to put up with a lot of stuff they shouldn't have to put up with. It's a very stressful job, and it's long hours. And if you see like the health of most most doctors after a career in medicine, that they are absolutely wrecked. And I thought, do I want to live that life? No, no, I I, I want I, I, I want I, I don't necessarily want to do that. All powers of the people who can. So instead, I'm going to do something. I know I'm still interested in. I'm still interested in like the science behind medicine. So I'll do I'll do biomedical science instead. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, I found out that uh, six out of seven people in my tutor group, though, however, wanted to move on to medical school once they'd completed their degree. So, and how about you? What do you want to move on to? Because you've just finished your degree now. You were in, in the middle of your exams when you were doing the Bright Club set. Well, how did they go? Uh, my exams went reasonably well. Uh, all of my exams were in the week following my stand-up set, which was why, uh, and um, they were my final exams, obviously they were very important, they required a lot of revision, which is why I spent the previous week uh, drinking and writing my set. Um, so, uh, yeah, but, so, yes. Yeah, so so how they write a, thesis, a doctoral thesis these days, spend a week drinking and writing. Yeah. <laughs> 
So, but yeah, I, 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 so I revised and I, I did my exams. And I was, I, I was happy with them. Uh, so, uh, I, I, my plans are, I would like to continue like talking about science, uh, because mm. it's indoor work with no heavy lifting. So you'd like to move more into like public engagement rather than say academia or research. Yeah, yeah, I'm not against going into research, but I think I'd prefer to try some other things first. I'd like to... I'm tempted to say I'd like to do a proper job before before just staying on in academia, but uh, I'll probably be lynched by the by the two academics currently in this room if I said happy that academia wasn't a proper job. So. Well, define proper job, so... Uh, it's... <laughs> Give me a cheer if you like Woo! Woo! Oh, Captain So now that you've nearly finished, well, now that you have finished yeah. your degree, what would you say you've enjoyed most about uh, studying biomedical science and or being a student in general? Um, ooh, um, studying biomedical science. Uh, well, uh, the the nice answer is that I own a body, and I find very interesting finding out sort of how it works and like and sort of people's health in, impacts all kinds of other aspects of their life. Um, but if I'm brutally honest. Um, there is a certain kind of black humour in just finding out all the weird and wonderful ways in which in which people die horribly. Um, so you can see that my progression from uh, science into comedy was quite natural because I have a completely twisted sense of, sense of humour. Those are the best kinds. Yes, yes. Uh, university in general, I must say, I, I enjoy my studies greatly. Uh, but also, like, just the sheer variety of things you can do at university quite cheaply. So, like, I've been scuba diving for the first time. I've been rock climbing for the first time. I've done all kinds of weird and wonderful things, including doing stand-up comedy for the first time. So, I think you are, university is definitely more than just your academic work. So, as long as you're getting the academic work done, just do everything. Because this is the best time to do it. And that's mm. what I most enjoy about being a student. Ooh. Dan is indoor work with no heavy lifting. <laughs> yeah, that's always an added bonus. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you're like, can you do a degree in weightlifting? Well, I, well, I do. I do know several people who've done sports science as their degree, and there, there, there's, there's bound to be people who've done studies on on weightlifters. I mean, most, admittedly, most sports scientists do their work, do a lot of their work on football, but there's still lots of lots and lots of ways in which you could study weightlifting. It'd be quite an interesting group of people to study. Mm. Well, just because of like the effect of the weight on their joints and yeah yeah and um it's it's sort of all the different you know, challenges that, that that they they face um uh for for sort of nutritionally like psychologically all those things and like how how it is that you psych yourself up to lifting the bars um and yeah so i would certainly say that universities are very devoted diverse eclectic places and that's a lot of fun fun place to be indeed oh yeah that reminds me um i agreed to do this gig tonight because they said they'd get something from the bar for me and i haven't taken them up on their offer yet um nickel um could you get me a pint uh could you get me a pint of um cake i'll have a pint of cake <laughs> 
have to stay motivated to do things you wouldn't normally do. Like, this is my first time doing stand-up. So yes, let everyone learn. Stay hungry enough to stay motivated. Uh, stay just worried and anxious enough to keep moving. But not enough to take crystal meth. <laughs> Okay, I'm I'm running low on questions, but I have got some uh, based on that Jamal asks me yes. in my interview. Yes. Uh, you studied history. Why? <laughs> Isn't uh, it all in the past? Uh, I actually, for most of my life, wanted to be a history teacher. I, I at the age of sixteen, I made a significant about face and went into science. Hmm. Oh, why did you decide to do that? Uh, basically, it turns out that if you are dyslexic and dyspraxic, go, doing a subject which involves lots and lots of reading and writing is not necessarily a bad, a good idea. Ah. <laughs> yes. So I went into medicine, where no, well, biomedical science, where nobody has good handwriting. <laughs> yes. Okay, uh, I think that's all we've got time for, so thank you very much, Phil. Hope to see you again at Bright Club soon. Oh, yes, so thank you for letting me rabbit into a microphone again. Yeah, it's always fun, isn't it? Safe, <laughs> <laughs> safe, kids. Have a good evening. Hi again. Thanks for listening all the way through. So that was uh, that was Phil Wiles being interviewed by Tom Hunt. Uh, thank you to both of you guys, Phil and Tom, for recording that interview. Um, I had fun listening in. Ordinarily, at this stage, we would be preparing for our next show coming up soon, um, at sort of late July, early August time. But um, we've had uh, some kind of sad news, although we're not entirely sure yet what's going on. Um, so if you have any information about it, it would be good to hear. Um, it, it kind of looked like uh, Boulangerie Victor Hugo, our normal venue, had closed down, but um, it also kind of looks like maybe they're going to reopen uh, after being refurbished. Um, so at the moment we're not sure uh, where our next show will be, or when, um, but uh, but we're always uh, on the lookout for performance. We've got a few people lined up for our next show, but... Um, uh, we always want more, so if you want to perform or you've got a friend who you think is funny and should perform, uh, push them to do it or get in touch with us or something. Uh, we would love to hear from you. So, um, yeah, so get in touch with us on Facebook, um, just search Bright Club Southampton, or Twitter, we are at Bright Club Sutton, uh, or send us an email uh, at brightclubsutton at gmail.com. Um, or yeah, make a comment on uh, our SoundCloud, SoundCloud page or give us a review on iTunes um, those would be great too also something that I would really like uh, is um, more different jingles for the podcast so uh, our sort of opening title um, is uh, me on my ukulele um, and uh, I mean I should really learn more than one tune but, um, but until I do uh, that one is kind of working uh, and then uh, We've got from uh, a friend of Nichols, we've got some of those uh, sort of funky ones at the end, which I really enjoy. But um, again, it would be nice to get a bit of, bit of variety. So uh, if you've got musical talent and want to write a jingle for us, that would be amazing. I would love to hear your jingle. So uh, please get in touch with those. Um, that's about all I have to say at the moment. Um, there's, uh, there's always... Uh, 
stuff going on around the place. So there's a, a science room coming up this weekend talking about whether we can trust clocks. Um, I mean, surely that depends on who sets the clock. Uh, I mean, I know not to trust the microwave clock in my kitchen. That's fast. Anyway, I hope you are all enjoying the summer and I look forward to talking to you again. I love you. Bye.